0: Welcome to National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And today we are about to wrap up our set of episodes overviewing the Gates Family Mystery Series, the National Treasure prequel series published by Disney Press. Today we're overviewing the fourth and final-ish book in that series. <laughs> the final one that we can get our hands on exactly this book is called westward bound and um yeah i guess this is a good time to remind everyone that this was supposed to be a six part series and books five and six while they were written they were never published and i don't know preview spoiler alert um i missed them
1: (laughs) i feel like i'm really interested to know what would have been in those books.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of today's episode. But before that, we have to get to the beginning of today's episode, which we always start with our screams from Parkington Lane. As our dedicated listeners know, this is my time, Emily's time, to really admit that National Treasure has taken over all of our lives, that we have fallen deep into the pit beneath Parkington Lane Hopefully not to our death. Hopefully not like Shaw, right, Em? Uh,
1: that is the goal.
0: That is the goal. So, <laughs> Emily, <laughs> do you have a scream to share today?
1: I do. So it's, uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's a scream. Um, so I, uh, when we're recording this, um, the news of the National Treasure series, uh, the Comic-Con panel in San Diego dropped uh, last week. And so my scream is really about uh, the fact that I sat in a Wawa parking lot for a solid 20 to 30 minutes on my personal Twitter account, searching under the national treasure and national treasure series hashtags uh, and getting fully immersed in that and tweeting at people, retweeting various things. Um, And I really felt like like I didn't realize how long I had been sitting in the parking lot for, uh, so I really feel like in that moment I really did fall down the, the pit. Um, and yeah, that's my scream. How about you?
0: Well, before I say mine, which is a sh- which is short, sweet, and poignant this week, I think I just have to say I feel like you have had a taste of what National Treasure news days are like for me now.
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs>
0: But it was really fun, like, simul-tweeting with you from your personal account and me on the, the National Treasure Hunt account. Um, it really, some real camaraderie there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, my scream, like I said, is short, but I can't help but think it really does just define where I'm at in my life right now with National Treasure Hunt. Literally, this is about an autocorrect on my phone. Wow. I was... Yeah, I was really just, I was texting someone and was trying to write the word dreams. Mm -hmm. And somehow my phone auto-corrected an admittedly not correct version of dreams to Freemasonry.
1: What? I thought you were going to say to, like, dreamer or something like that.
0: No, this is a scream, Emily. It has to be National Treasure, like, super relevant. The girl in the new series is a dreamer. Okay, that is... That's a weak scream if that was the case. No, no, no. Freemasonry.
1: Wow. That's a bold of your phone to go
0: there. I know, but, you know, I was subtly really pleased about it. And then I was like, this is my scream for the week. So.
1: Beautiful. If you too have screams to share with us or anything to share with us, really, go ahead on over to our social media. You can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at nthuntpodcast. We are also available for your listening ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to know more about us and the work that we do outside of just the podcast, such as our merch store, our tour, and our forthcoming book, you can check out our website at nthuntpodcast.com and find various links and pages to all of that information.
0: Indeed. All righty. I think it's time to get started on this final book review. I'm a little sad. This has been fun.
1: It has been.
0: So just as a reminder to everyone, Gates Family Mystery Series, we have moved from the Jamestown Colony era in book one to just before the American Revolution in book two to the Louisiana Purchase era in book three. And now, with Westward Bound, the fourth book, we are concluding the series with the Oregon Trail era. So, that's our historical orientation here.
1: That was helpful for me, thank you.
0: You're you're welcome. How we are going to do this episode... We are going to go through the book story step by step, chapter by chapter, so that you can follow along and understand everything you need to know about what this means for national treasure, even without having read the book. But of course, we're going to add our own commentary about national treasure, overall opinions, etc. And I suspect, Emily, you and I are going to have a lot of opinions to share this week.
1: I think so, and I think what I want to, once again, remind everyone about in uh, in advance of these opinions is that overall, Aubrey and I have had a wonderful time reading these series of books. Catherine Hapka did a fantastic job of being able to tie in various aspects of national treasure uh, into these books, and I think we're really fortunate that they exist and that we had the chance to read them. That being said, we do have opinions on them that we will be sharing, but that in no way diminishes the fact that we did overall enjoy this experience, and we're just kind of nitpicking at these things because that's kind of what we do.
0: That was the longest disclaimer you've shared to date, so I suspect I know what's coming from you today, or I guess we'll see. But, you know, we've gotten into a pattern before starting the books on on this little mini series of ours. Uh, we've gotten into the pattern of like assessing the cover of the book, and I think that's really fair to do today, because the cover of the book is misleading as all get out. Were they ever on a train? I'm pretty. Sh- I I'm pretty sure trains didn't exist at the time, because if they did, the Oregon Trail wouldn't have been a bunch of horses and buggies. Right. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong about that, and I'm a little bit. I don't care enough to google it right now but yes there is a steam engine train on the cover of this book everyone if you know a lot about trains tell us when those started and like when those started going across the country yeah I thought this was going to take place a lot later than it did
1: I honestly I mean it'll come as no surprise didn't make the connection that trains may or may not have existed at that time period I just thought that the cover was like odd
0: okay turns out that we're wrong and steam (laughs) (laughs) i think steam engine trains because i i do now suddenly care to to look um steam locomotives according to wikipedia were first developed in the united kingdom during the early 19th century which is the early 1800s right yeah Mm -hmm and used for railway transport until the middle of the 20th century. An early miniature prototype was built in the United States during the 1780s. A prominent large example of the steam wagon was demonstrated on a loop track in Hoboken, New Jersey, in 1825. So they technically existed, but were not in widespread use. So I still think this is misleading.
1: Well, yeah, also because I, the people in the book were never on a train.
0: Exactly. I so agree. Um, no, lots of horses and buggies, basically. That's even a main plot point, which we'll get to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, so that being said, I personally had super high hopes and super high expectations for this book because of how much I adored the ending of the previous book. If you haven't yet, go check out our previous episode on book number three which is called Uncharted because it is amazing and I will say this book started off strong it did so we meet protagonist James Monroe Gates so this is the first hint we get at our famous naming custom of Gates family members being named after historical famous people Mm mm-hmm Um, And it takes place in the summer of 1848 at Carrollton Manor in Maryland. So yes, this is Charles Carroll of Carrollton we're talking about here. Um, But I just have to make a note really quick, Emily, I suspect you didn't notice this, but I was so confused. Throughout the book, like a quarter of the way into the book, his name just changed from James Monroe Gates to James Madison Gates and the back cover says James Monroe, but with Monroe spelled M-U-N-R-O-E instead of with, you know, M-O-N. Did you notice this? No. That is really weird, though. <laughs> so, okay. Basically, the first time his name changes in the book is when he goes and meets Mr. Chandler for the first time. So mm-hmm. I thought he was giving the wrong name as, like, a, you know, as a decoy just in case but then it happens again as a decoy <laughs> let me
1: give my wrong middle name
0: <laughs> anyway um this is just a word of warning if we call him by his full name we're going to do our best to call him James Monroe but if we say James Madison it's really not our fault anyway James just going to call him James here yeah he's the son of Adam Benjamin Gates who you might recall back again from book three Uncharted all right he was our protagonist in the last book James the son has a very poor relationship with his father Adam which made me really sad we got a very Disney moment in the beginning where we saw like James thinks his dad hates him because Adam's wife slash James mother died in childbirth giving birth to James
1: yeah and uh spoiler alert they never address that ever so we don't know if that's true
0: yeah no it was or just if a, that was
1: all in james head uh,
0: yeah i suspect it's all in james head but who knows um we also learn that james has a poor relationship with his older brother thomas gates Woo. and emily this is the thomas gates that we meet at the very beginning of the first National Treasure movie as Charles Carroll of Carrollton's like stable hand.
1: Yes, and the reason I knew that is because they explained it in the book.
0: They do. <laughs> so we learn that Thomas has been spending all of his time, mostly with his father, pursuing leads to the clue, The Secret Lies with Charlotte, which they received from Charles Carroll when he died. Um, apparently this clue meaning hunt i don't even want to call it a treasure hunt yet apparently this ha- alone has led to a poor or a laughable local reputation for the family that seems like a very weak reason to be hated by the town to me personally but here we are
1: i, I feel like they just needed to kind of get that in there
0: yes it is a theme um, for this franchise that holds true whether it is the movies or the books so We also learned that Adam had moved his family from Concord, Massachusetts to Annapolis, Maryland, upon the death of his own father. That's when they started as a family working for Charles Carroll of Carrollton. Um, Apparently, Adam like ran the stable and the sons were all like stable boys. So this is how we're justifying how they got the clue and basically how National Treasure even started, which I personally really appreciated. it.
1: Yeah, it was really cool to see Adam's kind of story from the last book being carried over and then making sense within the context of National Treasure.
0: Totally. We we also start learning a little bit more about Thomas, which makes me even more excited because I'm like, this is the guy I want to know more about. He is clearly the most important link we have to national treasure here. But I was a little sad. Thomas was described as being really intense and ignoring James most of the time, especially since starting this pursuit of Charlotte. Um, Also expository note, somehow they all live on part of Carol's estate. Um, The book made it very clear that the estate went to the Carol family, but yet These folks who are not the Carroll family are living on the estate. However, really quickly, I do have to say I kind of love the idea of maybe this is the estate or the home where Ben and Abigail move into at the end of the first movie since We have that little quippy exchange at the end of the movie between Ben and Riley where Ben is like fun fact about this house Charles Carroll of Carrollton like and then Riley's like oh yeah someone did something in history and had fun I like thinking full circle moment here that would be so cool yeah but okay we also have some more stuff we have to get to just very quickly in terms of exposition we do learn that between the last book and this book, Franklin Poole, who Emily famously learned in the middle of our recording of last episode, is meant to lead to Riley Poole eventually in the movie. Franklin lives currently in New York City. He has a son named Seamus, which I thought was very appropriate since they really emphasize that he was Irish in the mm-hmm. last book. Um he sends Seamus to live with the Gates family for a while because there's a cholera outbreak in New York city. And I was like, Ooh, dark. And also like COVID-y, um, whatever. Relevant. Very, ooh, sent a little chill and foreshadow up my spine. Um, basically our story starts when James was like told told it i feel like it was a very weak word here he was like assigned by his father yeah (laughs) there was no yeah (laughs) it's like go with your brother thomas to pick up seamus thomas can't do this alone because thomas wants to peace out midway through and attend the cornerstone laying ceremony at the washington monument which emily's (laughs) face tells me she knows exactly the little hint i want to make here yeah, well, we went to the
1: Washington Monument on our National Treasure Tour and talked about it, and also, that's where they put the documents, um, like, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and stuff, uh, and, like, even though they didn't know it wouldn't be fully built for a really long time, it was still really exciting.
0: Yes, I feel the need to clarify that when you say we went there on the tour, and we actually talked about everything you just said on the tour and the cornerstone laying ceremony itself which I love that love that for us. Um, so basically James needs to be Seamus's like caretaker while Thomas goes to the ceremony well it turns out that they all go to the ceremony, and we quickly learn that Seamus is obsessed with the Freemasons. We also learn that the physical descriptions of James and Seamus kind of match the contrast found in Ben and Riley. So I just thought this was interesting. James is described as more tall and sturdy with like light hair. He's serious minded, whereas Seamus is described as short and wiry with dark hair and has these quote unquote imaginative flights of fancy. And he's also super into conspiracies. And I told you Emily, that Riley is meant to be a conspiracy theorist. This confirms it for me.
1: I mean, that's fair. I don't don't hold that against him.
0: You were arguing with me about that hardcore in our Riley character analysis.
1: Well, I've changed my mind. Um, and I was really excited to see Seamus having these characteristics of Riley, because I was like, oh, it's like having a little Riley here.
0: It is. It definitely is. Um, I think these two characters have a lot of riley Ben parallels, for sure. So the particular conspiracy theory that Seamus is interested in, in the moment, is what happened to William Morgan, a man who apparently was an anti-Freemason and was going to publish a book exposing the inner workings of the Freemason society. Apparently he disappeared and to this day no one knows what happened to him but conspiracy theorists apparently thought he disappeared out west. Um, So I wanted to know Emily what you thought of this little plot point because to me i was like seamus wants to find him for literally no apparent reason so
1: i guess i interpreted it as seamus wanted to find him just because he was like interested in the fact that he had disappeared like i don't think he wanted to like do anything with him necessarily he just kind of wanted to like further examine this conspiracy theory that he had basically um And kind of be able to be like, ha, like, see, like, he did disappear out west. We got him type thing.
0: Okay. I I believe that. I just, I felt like it was presented in such a random way. And you know what? Seamus is going to keep bringing this up, bringing up William Morgan throughout the book until he, like, randomly stops bringing him up. And then on literally the last page of the whole book, Like he might have found him accidentally, like what?
1: (laughs) Yeah, by the time we got to the last page and that he like mentioned him again, I was like, oh, right, that was a plot (laughs) point.
0: Yeah, so, okay, glad we got that out of the way. That's really our exposition here, kickstarting the story. So James, our actual protagonist, stumbles upon a packet of letters to his father. So these are letters to Adam from James's Aunt Ellie, this is Ellie Adams' twin mm-hmm. from book three. Now, apparently Ellie had moved to California with her husband. and This is like obviously really early days of our Western part of the country. Mm. And Ellie's letters seem to contain a bunch of riddles. To what? We have no idea. And James just kind of takes the letters. Yeah,
1: that was weird to me. Like, so, okay, so I have a thing about James and this will come up more and more, but my thing with James is one of the things he consistently said about himself, because this book is written like from his perspective. So you get to basically like hear his thoughts. One of the things he thinks about himself is that he's not like the rest of the gates family like he's not interested in treasure hunts he's not interested in solving clues that's part of the reason he feels distant from his father from thomas's older brother um like he's not helping with the charlotte clue or anything like that and he kind of brings up a couple times that he thinks it's he doesn't say irresponsible but he thinks it's kind of like stupid yeah of them to be one focusing on the Charlotte clue so much, but also just like the general family history of treasure hunting. He seemed very, in the same way that our protagonist in our first book was um, not supportive of his father's kind of flights of fancy and like money spending habits. It seems like that is how James felt about his family's like treasure hunting thing. So, and this literally continues to come up throughout the book, yet, spoiler alert, the book is about James looking for treasure. So, like, he is the person that he's saying he doesn't like, and he keeps saying, like, I'm so different from the rest of them. But, like, you're not, bro. You're doing the same thing.
0: I think this is the the whole thing that this franchise does a lot. We know now in the movies and in the books where... We take a character who, whether it's the main character or the secondary character, there's always a character who thinks treasure hunts are dumb. And throughout the book, they come around and, like, become more like the rest of their family.
1: So, yes, and he definitely does come around. But even in, like, the final chapters of the book, when people mention to him, like, oh you're just like your father like oh I've started I've heard a lot about the Gates family and stuff he gets like super snippy he does and I'm, I'm just so like, glad you caught that at this point you basically are one of them and I get like that we're going on this journey with him for him to like kind of change like Patrick does in the movie mm-hmm. right um like over time he kind of becomes re-involved with it and interested in it but like and maybe it's because we didn't hear Patrick's thoughts. So maybe Patrick was still thinking in the movie, like, oh, I don't really want to be associated with all those other people, but, like, I'm interested now. But, like, because we're hearing James's thoughts, it feels a little contradictory to me. Yeah. That, that was my, that's my rant.
0: I agree with, actually, pretty much everything you said. By the end, when, well, we'll get there. He's going to be talking to someone and... The, the someone is going to be saying a lot of nice things about James's relationship with his family and James is like mm, but is it but am I like that's, that's like that a- Thor meme <laughs> right exactly <laughs> <You did it. laughs> so okay let's get back on track here before we move on, I did want to read the two riddles that are told to us immediately from basically the first two of Ellie's letters, just to give you a sense of what these riddles sound like. Mm -hmm. The first one reads, actually, do you want to try like a Western accent by any chance today?
1: I will give it a shot. There is a high chance that when it comes out, it sounds like an Australian accent.
0: Awesome. I love it.
1: Okay. Um, dare you seek to take your measure by heading west after dearest treasure mark these letters pay close mind and perhaps this treasure you shall find
0: that's the first that's the first clue well done also, emily
1: sounded australian
0: oh, Well, we got we got to australian but it's all right we'll take it the second clue is emily's like twitching right now
1: <laughs> i'm trying to do it
0: i love it so much
1: where our joyful old friend has his last stand, begin to trace your journey across this land.
0: Perfect. Okay. I'm glad everyone got to experience that and they will hopefully continue to do so throughout this episode. Around this time in the book, reports of gold in California were starting to circulate in the States. So like on the eastern half of the country. Um, Notably, this is after the california gold rush which i found a little confusing because i didn't know there were like two bouts here
1: oh i assumed it was just staring it
0: well they mentioned something about the california gold rush in the past tense so i'm assuming this is after hmm. uh, one day we're going to get some more callbacks to the last book meriwether clark this is the son of william clark from lewis and clark meriwether comes to the gate's carriage business place. I think they're just like, they, they transport people like they have a carriage business and they're like a taxi service with horses and buggies. It sounds like they have two. Yes, that will be important as well. <laughs> they have two carriages. Um, Meriwether asks to be taken all the way out to St. Louis, which is super far away from Annapolis. And Seamus, super out of line, does not run this business, doesn't even formally work for this business. And he just agrees, of course we'll do it. And this is to the dismay of pretty much everyone. Why? Why, Seamus, did you do that? He is asked. And he says, oh, because Meriwether's father was a Freemason. And so Seamus really wants to pump Meriwether for inf- information about William Morgan. I am audibly eye rolling right now.
1: So I think this action taken by Seamus, who spoiler alert in my head whenever I see the name Seamus I always pronounce it Seamus in my head um so I'm I'm glad I've gotten it correct thus far but I think this was kind of the first moment that I tried to apply an age to Seamus I think because in the last book Frank Seamus's father not at the time obviously uh, was depicted as being much younger than Adam and Ellie. I think I naturally assumed that Seamus was a fair bit younger than James. But as we go on in the book, he kind of rivals James a little bit for the affection of a female character that we have yet to meet. And it just... I don't know. To me, it just felt very much like with this action at least, he was like younger than I think we were meant to believe he is. Like it felt very irresponsible.
0: I really thought that Seamus and um James were like approximately the same age. I feel like I read something in the very beginning when we're being introduced to Seamus. That suggests that.
1: It's very possible that it did. And knowing me, I have forgotten that it did. No, that's fine. I also um, do think, contextually, just from the rest of the book, we are supposed to assume that they're about the same age.
0: Yeah, that's probably it just, true.
1: It just was things like this that made me kind of picture him as younger. And you know how, like, when you start reading a book, I don't know if this happens to you, but like, you form images in your head of like who the characters are. And then as you get more information about them, it's kind of hard to change that perception of them. So because he did this kind of irresponsible thing, I was like, oh, he's clearly younger. And then the entire time I was like consistently confused as to why they were kind of being presented as the same age. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, I just wanted to mention that.
0: Yeah, I mean, his actions certainly can be on the irresponsible um, and perhaps youthful side. But while we are leading up to this cross country road trip, if you will, because they committed to it, so they have to do it, we learn that James is kind of money hungry, um, which is why he was interested in the news about the gold out West to begin with. Now, we start learning a little bit about a I don't know, like a a B plot, a, like a B storyline that will become important. It seems random at first. James basically sees a wanted poster. Um, and the subject of the wanted poster is a young woman named Sally Chandler. And the poster was posted by her very rich father, Mr. Chandler. Now, James realizes that a a young boy that he and Seamus met at the Washington Monument Cornerstone Ceremony was actually Sally disguised as a boy. So James makes a deal with Mr. Chandler that he'll arrange a meeting so that Mr. Chandler can confront Sally and basically take her home. And then James will get a reward for doing so. So they arrange this meeting to be in Baltimore like en route to picking up Meriwether Clark for the St. Louis trip. Mm -hmm. Now when this meeting happens, Mr. Chandler kind of like manhandles Sally and we learn that Sally is, has run away basically to escape somewhat of an arranged marriage to a man named Winston.
1: Quick question.
0: Yeah. The whole time.
1: I definitely thought Winston was one of the brothers from the last book (laughs) that had been chasing Adam and Ellie. The Brewster brothers. that it was going to come up at the end that, like, that was who he was. And Winston just kind of, like, pieced that at a certain point. So we don't really get that. But also, I don't think any of their names were Winston.
0: That's, no, you are. And they would also be very old. Yeah, you are correct that you are incorrect. (laughs) But no, this Winston is a man that I guess had been courting Sally and she didn't want to marry him, but she's being forced to. Um, But in the moment, James realizes that something's wrong. So he and Seamus on a whim basically help Sally escape into the carriage that they're driving. Um, And they end up being in sort of like an old-timey car chase with Mr. Chandler and Winston.
1: It was entertaining to read, I have to say. I don't like car chases, but I was entertained.
0: So I was like, wow, they're really getting that National Treasure vibe in here now. And I'm like, wow, now we also definitively have our Ben, Abigail, and Riley.
1: And I will say this is also true because of the fact that I think, I mean, we'll, we'll learn more about this a little later, but from the time they met Sally, when she was disguised as a man, um, and even in some of the stuff she says early on, when they know she's Sally, it becomes very obvious that she is very well-educated, that she is very into women's rights issues, and that kind of stuff, and that gives me kind of Abigail-type vibes.
0: Absolutely. So she accompanies them, still dressed as a boy for the moment, um, for reasons, um, she accompanies them to pick up Meriwether Clark. They basically use the Mr. Clark trip as a way to escape Mr. Chandler, because Sally says, yeah, my dad, not only is he rich, but he's also super vindictive and he will never let this go. He will pursue me. He will now pursue you for the rest of our lives or until he is dead which
1: is it's a lot although I will say like obviously this is not a good relationship that the father and or that Mr. Chandler and Sally have like it's obviously like fairly abusive Uh, so I'm not like vying for this but trying to think from the perspective of a parent it kind of makes sense to me that it's possible that he like wouldn't stop until he found his daughter but then you like have to remind yourself that like his reason for wanting to find his daughter is so that he can like marry her off to this person yeah and it doesn't seem like his reason for wanting to find her is that he's like oh my daughter must have you in my life absolutely not yeah but- no there's no
0: justifying <laughs> no justifying. Um- so at some point on this very long trek to st louis they realize that they have the gates family's mail
1: which they were supposed to drop off somewhere and i was confused about how that was gonna work and why that was yeah it was weird
0: if this was today that would be like a federal crime anyway um (laughs) they realize they have this mail and through that mail Seamus learns that his father Franklin has died of cholera during this epidemic in New York City so Seamus now feels he has absolutely nothing tying him to the east coast so he wants to move west to try to find both William Morgan and gold he just can't decide like he can't like pick like Riley a in a nutshell it- <laughs>
1: Like, you want to follow the conspiracy theories, but, like, you also kind of want the money.
0: actually really true. So now, at this point, James also begins considering the idea of continuing west after reaching St. Louis. Because now he's a little worried about his welfare because of Mr. Chandler. And he also is like, yeah, my family hates me. I kind of hate them. What's tying me to the East Coast?
1: They don't really get into the whole family thing, like I kind of mentioned earlier. But his, the whole, like, the way he left his family... And, like, the the plan, the initial plan, and that they weren't going to tell anyone, and then they ended up being gone for, like, a year and, like, hadn't written home, um, just kind of seemed a little selfish to me. Like, I understand if you don't have a good, or if you perceive that you don't have a good relationship with your father or, you know, some of your brothers, there's also a brother-in-law situation that wasn't good, um, that you might think that they don't care (laughs) but I think like yeah I think it was just kind of selfish of him to like be like peace out there's nothing for me here and not tell anyone like hey we're okay or anything like that and they they do have like a small connection back towards the end uh, where like some money is sent and stuff like that. Well he
0: had written before that
1: but like we didn't really get much it was just kind of said that he had written right we didn't really get much about like if the father was okay with it or like what happened as a result of that and since this was something that they focused on so much about james specifically being like there's nothing for me there everybody hates me i just thought they would like tie that up i don't know
0: i think it's a strategic decision we don't see the family's reaction because from james's perspective their reaction doesn't matter
1: true
0: um but but yeah so this idea of moving west to make their fortune really starts trickling into the picture here the the three of them start trying to tease out ellie's clues and ellie's clues from her letters while mr clark is like asleep in the carriage as a way to like pass the time and for some reason we decide it's okay to completely skip the first clue there's like <laughs> nothing important about that one so they're working on the quote-unquote joyful old friend clue and mr clark just randomly wakes up from his slumber and says it must refer to meriwether lewis the guy he was named after he explains this by saying well joyful means merry and meriwether lewis was acquainted with adam ellie and franklin a apparently. So like old friend. Although me personally, I'm very sure the last book said they never actually met up with that expedition ever. So this is very sus to me.
1: I assumed that it happened after the book. (laughs) That's fair. Like they must have caught up with them eventually. I don't know.
0: And then the other part of the clue is that Mr. Clark says Meriwether Lewis ended up dying at a tavern in Tennessee called Grinders Stand. And remember, this is like the last stand part of the clue. Mm -hmm. And this tavern was located on what's called the Natchez Trace Roadway. So we solved the clue, but now we're not going to do anything with it. So it's time for the next one. (laughs) You want to read it, up? prophet with
1: the vision for earthly as well as heavenly crown, chased from the Garden of Eden, he founded a beautiful new town, past westerly through await your next clue that, that was a british accent
0: yeah i was trying really hard for western it's <laughs> who knew they were so similar um okay so we just we like dissect this one pretty quickly in the book apparently this refers to joseph smith jr the founder of the mormon religion
1: which we who, talked about a lot
0: yeah well i guess we're moving west and like i don't know i think of mormonism in, in utah Right. But like, that's not the context here. Like, there's a lot of Missouri and Mormonism here. Apparently, he was seen by his followers as a prophet, hence the clue saying a prophet. And they say in the book that he went to a town called probably going to pronounce this wrong Nauvoo. That's what
1: I said in my head.
0: Um, he went to Nauvoo when he was chased out of Missouri. And apparently, the town name of Nauvoo. Means beautiful city. And Joseph Smith Jr. also believed that the Garden of Eden was located in like the area of Jackson County, Missouri. So that's like the full interpretation of the clue. There's a lot of stuff going on here. So I'm left with the question what is the connection between the clues in letter number two and letter number three? They're just a list of places. So at this point, I'm thinking as the reader, this must be like a route, right? kind kind of like a map, you know, but we aren't actually using the list of places as a route, at least not yet. Um, Also, for the record, this part of history is a huge blind spot for me, but I feel like these riddles would be pretty easy to figure out if you knew this part of history. Maybe.
1: It's possible. Uh, I think that it's, I thought that it was interesting that, like, throughout the entire book, none of these clues are actually really solved by our core group of three. It's, it's usually someone else, like an adult, that comes in and is like, oh, clearly it's this
0: thing. That's true. That's actually a really good point. That's a huge difference between this and, like, National Treasure as a Vibe. We also at this time get our first interlude of Winston and some, like, bad guys that Mr. Chandler hires finding our crew and chasing them around this is going to happen several times in the book especially at times where it logically I don't think makes sense for them to have found them across an entire country um but Mr. Clark's skillful driving helps them escape in this particular instance they end up dropping him off in a place sort of near St. Louis but not there yet so that they can continue west and hopefully escape their pursuers for good
1: Um, Yeah, I love how Mr. Clark was just kind of like, yeah, just drive me off here, I'll
0: I'll figure it out. He was super (laughs) low-key. And at this point in the story, I feel like I have to note the extremely uncomfortable parts of the narrative where the boys quote-unquote realize Sally is a girl because she wears her hair down and like sometimes wears a dress. Emily looks extremely displeased.
1: The whole thing about Sally from the perspective of these boys is not great. There are a lot of instances where they make these kinds of comments. At one it's,
0: point, at one point she says to Seamus, of course I'm a girl. What do you think? I am an owl? And I loved it so much.
1: I was just like, go off queen. Yes.
0: <laughs> um. But so like she does
1: stand up for herself and stuff like that. I think And and this is just the way that the story is written. Unfortunately, because we're reading it from James's perspective, we get to read a lot of his thoughts regarding Sally, Um, which, you know, maybe he's a good person and wouldn't always say these things out loud. Uh, Although the fact that they both were like, wow, you're a girl was a little rude. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Sally's just kind of treated by the two guys as like a prize to be won as the time continues to go on and she's not valued for anything independently of aside from the person that she makes James yeah so like James claims like oh well like she makes me a better person blah 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 and it's like that's good like you should want your partner to make you a better person but like we don't get any rationale behind like why
0: yeah I would agree with that. And because she's not contributing to the treasure hunt in a way that Abigail does, mm-hmm. it like makes it even more difficult to like get past this, I think. So at this point, they decide to go to Nauvoo because of the clue. So it's like finally we're doing something here with the clues. And along this route, we do learn that Sally, as Emily, you mentioned before, she's a passionate feminist. The reason she refuses to marry this man, Winston, is because he, and I'm going to say this exact line as it appears in the book, quote, seemed utterly determined to crush her interests in abolitionism and women's rights. So Mm -hmm. I support this runaway situation even more now.
1: Yes. Way (laughs) to go, Sally.
0: And so that exposition, just for the record, is, I think, important to, to note. But at this point, we also start reading our fourth clue
1: a familiar starting ground lies in the land of ancient mounds travel westward across the land from the city of Moses and Abraham i think you've got it That's pretty good. <laughs> i mean it was terrible but like much better than what i've been doing
0: i mean it's ex- it's very stereotypical which is i think what you're going for here um so yeah there's a there's a reference here to ancient mounds and immediately i'm like mound builders like the mounds from book 3 mm-hmm. and Seamus apparently agrees with my brain because um, he mentions the mounds that his father and Adam and Ellie saw outside of St. Louis. Now, something here that I think is cute is Seamus does seem really interested in the stories his father has told him from his own adventures. And there's a huge contrast here because James keeps mentioning how this is all news to him. His dad right. never shared this with him. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so he talks about the mounds, but before they finish deciphering the clue, they meet some young guys who are like riding on horseback, and these guys tell them that the city of Hannibal has cheap supplies, way cheaper than Nauvoo. So forget the clue, we're going to Hannibal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the logic is a little... uh... Off. also the reason that they talk to these men when they're like trying to keep a low profile was odd to me but you oh yeah
0: know. i mean they're clearly not the brightest bunch they're not as bright as abigail riley and ben as a trio True. for sure <laughs> um so to get to hannibal they have to take a ferry across the mississippi river which is really a symbolic moment of them leaving the united states behind because you know past the river had not been made into states yet And James wonders whether his father will even care that he's gone given that poor relationship of theirs. Now in a shop in Hannibal we get our second interlude of Winston and his bad guys finding them. and Because of those guys they talk to. Literally, yeah, because of the horseback guys. The boy who works in the shop helps them escape sort of through the back, but escaping requires them to abandon the horses and the carriage that they stole from adam in the first place yeah so naturally james sees no risk at all in confiding about all the letters and these clues to this relative stranger boy (laughs) and very conveniently the stranger boy cracks the latest clue he says that the term you know city of moses and abraham must refer to Hannibal itself, since Mr. Abraham Bird was the original owner of the town's land and Moses Bates founded the town. And I'm at this point I'm just like, okay, so now it was not only convenient to ditch the Nauvoo clue. It was actually like smart to do that, and they just happened to randomly choose the next correct place just totally by accident
1: yeah, like you can't it's, at a certain point, your luck's gonna gonna run out. But it, yeah, it is whatever. Also, I'd like to point out that, like when I was reading these clues, I was like faintly trying to solve them. And whenever they referred to like the city of Moses and Abraham and there's some other stuff, too, I definitely thought they were talking about the Bible, and then it was very clear that they were not
0: no, they very much weren't. Well, I see how you could get that, especially since we were like talking about Mormonism before. Like maybe, we're talking about religions in this <laughs> in this treasure hunt. Um, but at this point, it's like winter. So they can't go any further. They spend the winter working on a Missouri hemp farm of a man named Reverend Robert James. Now, I know you probably totally missed this, M but in the postscript at the very end of the book, we learned that Robert James was the dad of famous outlaw Jesse James, which I just thought was funny. <laughs> You've heard of Jesse James, right? No. Oh my God, okay. Google it. Okay. The Reverend just so happens to be serving as the chaplain on an Oregon Trail wagon train that's going west in the coming spring. So our trio decide to join that wagon train as well.
1: Quick note, I was a little confused when reading the book as I usually am and didn't catch that the reverend had his own like wagon train that was happening so i was like aware that they lost their horse and carriage and then thought that they had somehow gotten it back when like i discovered that they had been like riding somehow and now it makes a lot more sense
0: wait but the oregon trail is like all about like a whole set of wagons going as like a large group of people that oh i
1: I played the game
0: <laughs> so you thought you had to supply your own wagon in that trail
1: yeah, no. okay
0: okay okay i get that so you at least caught that they were part of a large group like a long train of wagons definitely you're being facetious
1: yeah i thought it was just They literally
0: <laughs> literally had an entire like page describing life on the oregon trail how like every evening all of the wagons circle up so that they're in a safe little niche and like the women watch the children while the boys do this stuff like they probably skimmed that
1: page cool
0: <laughs> okay so they spend most of the journey describing life on the trail and solving clues so the fifth clue is emily
1: through a courthouse too remote for any trial by jury
0: round the nation's
1: tallest chimney past ash as refreshing as brandy that wasn't as good
0: not as good i will note because you know i feel like it's important to note actually every one of these clues has several words that are capitalized and this is just a very, this is just a national treasure thing at this point. I kind of appreciate the consistency, but in this case, I feel the need to point out that the words that are capitalized are courthouse, chimney, and ash. And so I would like
1: to point out that I think capitalizing random words might be like an old people thing to do. Because I was recently copying down a prayer that my grandmother had written down for me at one point. And there were random words in that prayer that were capitalized that were not like God. Hmm. So like, unless she's trying to send me on my own treasure hunt, it might just be an old people thing.
0: I don't know. I mean, but in this case, they always have a purpose. (laughs) True. In this case, the purpose is the wagon train will eventually pass a weird-looking rock that happens to be called Courthouse. And then there's another one next to it called Jailhouse. And after those rocks is a place called Ash Hollow. And then after that is a place called Chimney Rock. So James actually mentions that it kind of seems like Ellie is just describing her own journey west through these clues. Also, there's a lot of rocks here,
1: which makes me think Stonehenge what i mean it's like the owner it's like the american version of stonehenge like all these all these rocks all of a sudden well
0: Nothing. you're aware of the national parks that are like arches and stuff right oh yeah
1: I've about that. that's
0: literally well, like the vibe and the sort of geographic location we're at um <laughs> at this point it is crystal clear to me that this is just a route and then i'm like but a route to what and actually Not to pat myself on the back too much. I'm going to end up guessing correctly. What happens at the end, Emily, I guessed it and it made me both satisfied and very annoyed.
1: Tracks.
0: (laughs) So now we get our sixth clue. Over to you, Em.
1: Round the bluff toward independence lies a twisting, winding snake. When you find yourself a raft, that's the path that you should take. No accent
0: to that. Yeah, it was a little piratey. I think... We're, this is this has been fun for everyone um but me <laughs> right but you interestingly james as he's reading these clues he is the one that's the most skeptical about this leading to an actual treasure i think kind of lending to the point you made earlier emily about him wanting to like not be that kind of person within his family um Seamus is actually the idiot that insists that it is a treasure and pressures him and pressures James into thinking that it is which I actually found really annoying Seamus is very pushy he's way more pushy than Riley yes so We've, um, at this point, pretty much given up on riddling out the clues in the text for the reader. Instead, we just learned that they solved the clues based on hearing what landmarks they passed each day. So in this case, it's Independence Rock, and then the Snake River. And then at Snake River, the wagon trail splits into two, and our protagonists choose a route related to the Raft River. So this is all about that clue. Mm-hmm. So- they end up arriving at their destination, which is a gold miner's camp near Sutter's Mill called Hangtown, named as such because there's literally a noose just chilling in the middle of the town. I thought we were going to come back to
1: that. I was like, this is getting dark. Like, are we going to have and then like no, they was just like, yeah, there's just a noose hanging here.
0: Yeah, I think because that's just part of the whole like adding as much historical validity to the story as they can. Like, apparently this was real um we randomly meet a man in Hangtown. he goes by the name of grizzly and has a pet bear named benjamin franklin and this is absolutely just an excuse to work in a funny and ironic yet true historical tidbit so again we learn in the postscript that this was a real person and he actually had this bear
1: yeah it just like not knowing that it just feels like wow they're really stretching
0: well to me it was so random that i knew immediately he was a real person i was like this is not going into this book for no apparent reason other than this you know Mm -hmm. so james i was about to say abigail james uh sally that's her name and (laughs) seamus they purchase prospecting supplies They continue talking about the clues and James astutely points out that they have no idea if additional letters with more clues have been arriving to his father this whole time while they've been away. I'm like yep good point but then they get to the seventh and final clue which seems to answer that question. It feels fairly final. It it reads.
1: Close your mission if You dare, beneath Mr. Todd's most glorious band, near three hills between sea and creek, find the treasure whom you seek.
0: Now, Grizzly and the son of Sacagawea, yep, that's a thing, they collectively decode this clue, once again, for the protagonists. Apparently, Mr. Todd refers to the man who designed the bear emblazoned flag of the once California Republic. And mission means the Spanish mission of San Francisco about a hundred miles from where they're currently located. And at this point, this is the exact point when I was like, these clues lead to Ellie's house. Why do I assume this so confidently? Because number one, they made a point of noting earlier that there was no address on the letters and that's weird. And they also made a point of saying that like James wishes he knew where Ellie lived. So I'm like, this is very clear to me. She was tracking her route. She's leading, hopefully Adam, because that's who she was writing to, to her home. And the treasure would be family.
1: That's great that you figured that out. I naturally had no idea where we were going.
0: I really wondered whether I should put this in at this point, because it's like, spoiler alert, that's exactly what happens. Um, but I did want to brag a little bit because I was yeah, a little, little proud of myself. So. <laughs> so the characters haven't figured this out yet. And there's a huge fight between James and Seamus because James wants to go to San Francisco to finish the hunt. And Seamus wants to stay behind and continue panning for gold. He actually says, Sheamus says, I came here for gold not to be bossed around by another member of the Gates family. Like he was super aggressive. Um, Now Seamus is referring to James's brother-in-law that Emily like kind of mentioned a little while ago with this comment because the brother-in-law was bossing them around but it also kind of feels like this could relate to the Ben and Riley dynamic in National Treasure in a weird way although Riley is never aggressive like this.
1: This is true.
0: So Sally decides that she's going to go with James, and they're going to go to San Francisco. Um, In the clue, there was the phrase three hills between sea and creek, and some folks in like a tavern, once again, interpret this for James, because James just isn't afraid to share clues with random strangers which is super ironic because everyone is in this western location because they want gold and clues (laughs) kind of sound like a treasure hunt so why would you trust randos with these clues that for all you know lead to gold yep but everyone is just super nice (laughs) and so (laughs) these strangers say that three hills between sea and creek refers to a part of town where you can see the hills the ocean and a creek all at once so they go to this location and find a tiny homestead and what do you know i was right an older woman walks out of the house and it is ellie so ellie explains that she had hoped adam would follow her clues to come and see her which like oof I'm like, that's a rough
1: blow for (laughs) Jane.
0: Like, oh, you're not who I was expecting. Also a rough blow for Ellie. She just really wants to see her brother and her brother has ignored the letters all of this (laughs) time. And she says, the treasure I had in mind was myself. And I literally wrote in my book, I am so good at this nonsense.
1: (laughs) That's true. I think it's bold of her to refer to herself as a treasure. (laughs)
0: I mean, so, and if you think back at the other clues, this actually makes perfect sense and could have been deciphered earlier in the first letter that we ignored, recall, um, it said dearest treasure. And then in the last clue, it said treasure whom you seek. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Ellie points out that James and Seamus just up and leaving without telling Adam was very similar to how she and Adam up and left their family in Massachusetts to follow Lewis and Clark in book three. So James has something in common with his dad after all. So sweet. But this is where we were kind of talking about at the beginning of the episode where James, at least in his mind, is like, yeah, I don't know, like maybe not. Or like, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> vibes.
1: Is it though?
0: <laughs> is it though? Yeah, exactly. Um, We also see, just like the previous three books, James is immediately disappointed that he didn't find a stereotypical treasure, and that's like, in my opinion, such a strange theme for all of these books to have, the theme of disappointment.
1: Maybe the idea was that, like, they hadn't found a treasure for so long that when they finally find the treasure in National Treasure and Book of Secrets it's like yes.
0: Yeah, well, Patrick said, "You did it, Ben, for all of us." <laughs> he meant <laughs> these a are lot. all of them. He meant a lot more people than we knew. <laughs> 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 than we knew at the time. That's why these books are so great. Um, but no, James then comes around. He's he's rewarded with the treasure of family. He learns from Ellie that Adam actually wrote to Ellie about James very often. Ellie is also able to tell James about his mother who he never met and she gives James his mother's ring. It's also, I guess, kind of poetic that the treasure that James finds is family since he felt he didn't have one back home, like whatever.
1: I'd also like to point out that there has been a ring in every one of these books and it's never the same ring.
0: Well, the first two, it's the same ring. And then they ditched that idea.
1: But they still kept the ring.
0: There's still the idea of a ring. Yes. I'm still convinced that that the ring from the first two books is Sadusky's ring. There's no question about it. I just don't know how Sadusky gets it. Maybe we would have learned that in books five or six, but we have to finish book four first. So James and Sally return to Hangtown to check on Seamus because they're like worried about him. And apparently, Seamus found a ton of gold because duh. But before they can get excited, one of the bad guys that had been chasing down Sally, well, he like has Ellie at knife point and demands that the group turn over all the gold as well as Sally. Uh, at this point, Grizzly, that that guy. He kind of, like, sticks his bear on the bad guy, and the bad guy literally falls off a cliff and dies. Um, it is a very Shaw and Parkington Lane moment. It is. And while
1: I was impressed by that uh, parallel, I was also like, wow, I'm just writing about someone falling off a cliff in a children's book.
0: I mean, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> of course you did. But it was kind of bold. Um But it's good because now the bad guys are taken care of. In the end, the trio split the gold that Seamus found with Grizzly and that son of Sacagawea. And they all decide to stay in California. James marries Sally, and Seamus also finds a girlfriend. And James sends some gold back to his dad to pay for the horses and the carriage that he stole. The end.
1: The end.
0: I mean, it's not actually the end because then again, they do a a found. Sort of maybe find William Morgan—that was his name, right? I don't even remember. Yeah. In a bar, but like it's so insignificant, and I didn't even think to mention it. Really, that's fine. So, yeah, no. That's the end of the Gates family mystery series, Emily.
1: It is, and what a roller coaster this journey has been. There were some high points, and there were some low points.
0: Some of those points were as low as the cliff that that guy fell to the bottom of. Um yep. but the highs I've never felt more giddy. <laughs> so, um I think that out of all four of the books, this one, Westward Bound was the least like National Treasure. We made a lot of parallels that might have been a little niche, like we might have made them just because we know the movies so well. Mm-hmm. I think Westward Bound had the fewest Direct parallels and the least similar structure to National Treasure. And at first, this seemed a little strange to me because of all of them, it's temporally closest to the timeline of the films. However, then I realized that, you know, when these books were actually being written, they were being written after the second movie had come out. So the first book was actually closest in real time to the movies coming out. So that one, I, basically, I could see it being okay in the writer and Disney's mind for the earlier books to have the most parallels because people are reading them more likely right after watching the movies. And as we get through the books, we're getting farther and farther away from seeing the movies, if that makes sense. That does. Yeah. Um, I also think that book four aligns with uh, book three, not just in all of the character consistencies, but also in that it's like mostly action adventure instead of a treasure hunt. Like this- Calling this a treasure hunt is a stretch. Yeah. Hmm. Um. <laughs> I mean, the the clues we we kind of said that they made a map, but even that's a stretch.
1: It was just the description.
0: What what I think bothered me most about this book is that it made no progress toward either treasure that we. No and love from the national treasure franchise you know there was nothing at all about the six grandfather's symbol on the medallion and the map from the previous book i mean i don't even think the family thinks about that anymore i think they thought that that treasure hunt was done
1: mm-hmm.
0: but there also wasn't any progress toward figuring out the charlotte clue
1: right which i mean to be fair makes sense because they didn't solve it until ben
0: But see, this is where I was surprised and a little bit disappointed. I really wish this book had focused on Thomas and his journey to tease out what the Charlotte clue could mean. Now, we know he wouldn't have figured it out, Mm -hmm. but maybe we would have have seen some of the other interpretations of Charlotte that the family had tested out before we get to Ben.
1: Yeah. I mean, we do learn that they went to Charlotte, South Carolina, North North Carolina,
0: North Carolina.
1: Um. So, like, we do learn that they tried something, but that's
0: about it. I just, I really would have liked to see more context to this. Like, it was weird to me that we meet Thomas and then we ignore Thomas. Yeah. You know? So, I guess my ultimate thought here is that given that the series ended with four books, I really wish we had just stopped at book three, given how amazing that epilogue was, It would have been like a really natural ending and granted the author and disney press didn't know they would be stopping at book four Mm -hmm. you know at the time so we can't blame them but with you know hindsight being 2020 i think book three would have been a really great ending i guess i'm wondering emily now that we know that all of this backstory exists for national treasure Do we think that future national treasure projects, whether the series or even the potential third movie, will they obey what we learn from the prequel books or won't they? Because again, these aren't well-known.
1: I am leaning to the side of no, that they will not. And I think this is coming from my perspective on uh, Marvel and the Marvel cinematic universe. There are a lot of shows that Marvel put out, um, on different platforms before they started putting out shows on Disney+. And while there was a lot of setup in those shows for various storylines, what Marvel is doing now is kind of ignoring Mm. what was set up previously. And they're just kind of taking characters and like starting them over. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just saying like things are not canon at all. And so that, I think it's such a big company that I'm just like, that's the main thing that I'm thinking of, but I think it would be, especially because that's also a Disney property, it seems like they would most likely be like, we can kind of, we don't need to hold ourselves to the standard, like unless it was going to enrich what they were doing, I don't think necessarily it would.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that we read these now, not just because it was a really fun experience and we learned a lot more and and now know so much more about our character backstories, but also because I want to keep the books in mind as we continue through the podcast and as Mm -hmm. we potentially get National Treasure 3 or as we do get the series and see if there are consistencies or inconsistencies that we can identify because the movies were created before the books. So there's no opportunity for inconsistency there you know. Um, So the last thing I thought that we would do really quickly, um, we've told you that books five and six, they were not published, but they were written. They were drafted. And I would love to know, like, what years would they have taken place in? What would they have covered? And fortunately, there are little synopses that we can share with you all. And I thought we would finish by reading them. So Emily, I'll give you a break from your accent uh, today. And I'm going to read the the synopsis of book number five, Forever Free, uh, from the back of Westward Bound. And it reads, in the late 1800s, the North defeated the South in the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and America found herself in the middle of the Reconstruction era. This brought prosperity, joy, and equality to many of the freed slaves, but for others, the past is too haunting to forget. Maryland, 1872. After the death of his father, Charles Gates wants nothing more than to turn his back on his family's never-ending quest for treasure. But then he meets Daniel, a young freed slave who needs his help. Now, along with Daniel, Charles sets off on a journey to uncover a treasure that civil rights figures like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and Sojourner Truth fought to protect, never lose, and keep forever free.
1: That sounds good.
0: It sounds really good. And you know what? You and I have talked about how they could bring in civil rights era stuff into National Treasure 3. We have. And we you have. know what? Maybe they never published books 5 and 6 because they knew from the beginning that they were going to make National Treasure 3 about the civil rights movement.
1: Oh boy.
0: Conspiracy town population me. And Seamus. <laughs> and Seamus and Riley. Um, and then finally, there's a much shorter synopsis for Roaring In that's published online. We can't read a nice long one from the back of book 5 because book 5 doesn't exist. Book six would have been entitled Roaring In, and this short synopsis reads, Jay Gates wishes to remain in peace and quiet despite the economic boom of the 1920s. However, he soon learns of hints in regards to the Charlotte for which his family has been searching for almost a century, and he decides to seek adventure. Oh my God, I really want the fifth and sixth books.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the fifth one, I mean, granted, there's not as much, or the sixth one, there's not as much there uh, in that description. The fifth one definitely sounds better to me, but I think it would have been cool to see a story in the 1920s.
0: Are you kidding? That's why you want the sixth book? I want it because it's going to lead us up to the Charlotte and Ben. Are you kidding me, Emily? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, Emily, that does it. That is a wrap on the Gates Family Mystery Series.
1: It is, and yeah, I thank you for suggesting this Aubrey and uh, helping find these books. I think this was a very fun experience for everyone and hopefully for our listeners as well. Um, If you wanna tell us what your thoughts are on this book, what you think the fifth and sixth books would have led to, anything like that, please feel free to find us on social media. We are at N.T. Hunt Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, And you can find us to listen to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Absolutely. And you definitely have to subscribe if you're not already, because our next episode is going to be a fun one. It's actually been requested by several listeners in the past few months. So we had to, you know, give you guys what you want. We are doing one of our classic compare and contrast episodes, comparing National Treasure to Uncharted, not the third book from this series, (laughs) but the movie that came out this year in 2022. So uh, I think we have a lot to look forward to, and we hope you're looking forward to that as well. So until then, I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt.